because it is the best money and it's so superior to fiat money, it's so fucking dangerous to central bankers and the elite and everybody in the system because this house of cards is on the verge of collapse. And then you have Bitcoin, which could eat it all. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And first up today, it is Revolut. Now, as many of you know, Lloyd's TSB, my bank of 25 years, closed down all my accounts recently. They clearly don't like Bitcoin. But Revolut got in touch. And they're like, Pete, come on, come over to us. Move your shit to us. So I did. I set up my account with Revolut. It took me, what? couple of hours and everything was transferred across. You know what? Most importantly, they love Bitcoin and they do want to make it easier for you to transfer to exchanges. And now Revolut are offering $20 or £20 for all new customers that complete three card transactions. It only takes a few minutes to set up and you could create a card and add it to Apple Pay immediately and get that cash in your pocket. But I wouldn't do that. I would convert that shit straight to Bitcoin. Now, this is a new relationship, and I'm working hard with the Revolut team to help them build a bank which is Bitcoin-friendly. There is a lot to navigate, but we are working hard at this. If you do want to find out more, please head over to revolut.com forward slash WBD. That is R-E-V-O-L-U-T dot com forward slash WBD. Next up, we have BlockFi, who are pleased to announce that they have launched their BlockFi Rewards of Visa signature card for people in the US who own or interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way to earn more Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. Also, for the first three months of card ownership, you get to earn 3.5% back in Bitcoin and for everything you spend over $50,000 a year, you get 2% back in Bitcoin. It is the smartest way to stack sats. And if you want to find out more, please head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017, over four years. And I'm still using that same Nano S that I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And if you're an Android phone user, you can connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, we have my exclusive exchange sponsor, Gemini, who I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin. I say it every week, but I'm not selling Bitcoin. And buying Bitcoin. And I've been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I have also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. You know what? I have yet to see a better or easier interface for doing this. Now, with a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing. And that is all through one clear, attractive interface. If you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G E M I N I.com. Okay, enjoy the show. Right, it's the uh, got the takeover today with uh, Will M, welcoming him to the show and Plan B. I haven't seen you in a while, Plan B. How, well, I've never seen you, actually. I've only ever <laughs> talked to you. But uh, how are you, man? You well? Yeah, I'm great. I've been sailing for the last couple of weeks, and it, it was great weather, great boat, and uh, I just love to do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Thanks for having me on again. 
man, you're welcome whenever you like. Oh, well, unless the uh, stock to flow model fails, then like <laughs> everything's going to be over for you and <laughs> us and our, and our friendship. Of course, of course. And, and uh, by your suggestion, we've got your good friend, Willem, on the show. Welcome. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm, I'm well. Um, I'm in Switzerland now. Uh, my base is in Amsterdam. That's where our office is. I'm um, the fund manager of the Commodity Discovery Fund, but I also have a setup here in Switzerland. I have the Bloomberg here. I have a better view. And the sun, finally, the sun is shining again because the weather was very bad here. Well, it's a bit windy here. It's a bit cold. We've had some good weather recently, but I'm off to the Caribbean on Tuesday and I'm going to have two weeks of sun and I cannot wait and I can't wait to show off on Twitter and show everyone where I am and where they're not. (laughs) Well, listen, guys, great to catch up. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Uh, Willem, I I do want to start with you um, because I think your background is very interesting. Um, You wrote a book, The the Big Reset, War on Gold and the Financial Endgame. You are traditionally a I would say a gold bug, but you might correct me if I'm wrong. But you're also now a Bitcoiner, so that's this is fascinating. You're you've managed to make the leap yeah. that Peter Schiff can't make. So yeah. there's a lot to discuss that's, here. But yeah. do you want because you're going to be new to the listeners? Do you want to give them a bit of a background and then talk about the book you wrote? Yeah, I think there's a little bit more to explain uh, because I, I've been a journalist uh, for 20 years. Actually, I started in um, 1980 as a freelance photojournalist, worked for Reuters as a stringer. Um, but I also had this interest in investing and money. So I started investing in real estate in the 1990s uh, in Amsterdam when real estate was very cheap. I was uh, very active in the buy-to-let market, which was very new at that time in Amsterdam. Uh, made quite a bit of money in the 1990s. Became um, and I, I didn't put in any money of my own, so it was all a mortgage. 120 percent was still possible at that time. <clears throat> so I had eight properties, all a mortgage, and then um, I thought I have huge leverage, so I should um, take benefit of this leverage, but I should also study economic cycles because um, when the market goes down you know this leverage can kill me so in the late 1990s I started to study the monetary system um, the business cycles and became intrigued because that was when the internet bubble uh, was uh, at its peak 1999 1990 or 2000 and at that time I actually I was working as a picture editor-in-chief for Dutch Daily and next to our desk was the economics uh, desk. And I started to write about uh, financial markets. And then I switched over to the TV. I was an anchor for Dutch CNBC, one could say, RTL television. I did that seven years. And then I had the time to uh, study full-time uh, on the financial system. So this was all pre-Bitcoin. Uh, this was all pre-Lehman. And actually, my first book, which uh, came out in 2007, I was warning in that book that a major financial crisis would arrive within uh, the next decade. And it all happened within 12 months. So that made me world famous in the Netherlands. And then um, I quit journalism. Uh, I started two companies because um, I learned from my study of monetary history that once a crisis arrived, people want to flee back to something like gold and silver. So that's why I became a gold bug. There was no Bitcoin at that time. Uh, I started uh, a web shop, a building web shop, uh, Amsterdam Gold. I sold that one three years later when we had 100 million sales. 
and I started the Commodity Discovery Fund, which was called the Golden Discovery Fund at that time, because I wanted to have exposure to as many ounces in the ground as possible. And I still run the Commodity Discovery Fund. It grew uh, till AUM uh, SN management of 200 million now. And uh, we, we only invest in the 100 best discoveries worldwide, gold, silver, but also other commodities. So that's, 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 that's my background. And I want to I want to stress, I only bought Bitcoin from 2018 in a serious way, but I mentioned in the Dutch Dutch edition of the Big Reset in 2013 that Bitcoin was um, digital gold, in my humble opinion. But since I had so much gold and silver already, well, I thought I don't have to buy Bitcoin. It was a big mistake. Well, it's fascinating background. Uh... Obviously, a very successful career, both as a journalist, uh, uh, an author, an investor. Um, it's, it's quite fascinating. Let's talk about, because let's start with gold. Let's talk about your gold thesis. Um, why did you become a gold bug? What was it you learned about the financial markets specifically? Because that's going to be a real setup for our Bitcoin chat. Mm. Well, um the journey through the rabbit hole all Bitcoiners are experiencing in the last few years. I, I actually, I experienced that, that journey in the late 1990s. So if my, my first um, columns are still online and they are from 2002, 2003. And I was warning everybody, you know, that it was a house of cards. The financial system was a house of cards. And one day it would all collapse and you should really prepare yourself accordingly. And I've been advising people to buy gold and silver since the early 2000s because, as you might know, gold has been had been going down for 20 years, so bottomed out around 2000. So I bought my first gold around $300, uh, silver, you know, for next to nothing. And, well... I think I have a big following in the Netherlands because for 20 years I've been telling the same story and I think Plan B, um, um, well, is one of the people who who knows me um, because of this, this, this background. So it was very natural for me to uh, look also into Bitcoin. And I, actually I was tipped about Bitcoin very early on because I had a large following. And I found it intriguing. I, I had this gold bullion webshop. And I, I remember thinking about connecting Bitcoin to uh, the, the gold we had stored in our vaults. And I was thinking, imagine you can connect Bitcoin to gold. That would be wonderful. But, you know, I was so busy. I was writing books and giving a lot of presentations. And it was not my core business to think about Bitcoin. So, um, well, that, that's my background. So let's talk about gold and let's talk about specifically the book you wrote, uh, The War on Gold and the Financial Endgame. Um, you talk about in your book how the price of gold has been suppressed. Um, for people who don't understand that, because people will have heard about this, can you talk about how the price has been su suppressed? Yeah, most people uh, think that the price of any commodity, being Bitcoin or gold or whatever, is because of the trading of the of the physical commodity or the digital commodity in case of bitcoin and um as i studied the financial system 
I started to learn about the fact that the U.S. was very aware of the fact that you can move asset prices, especially price of commodity, by having very liquid future markets. If you study, I'm also um, a fan of geopolitical well, topics. I study uh, geopolitics quite a bit. And you might remember that there was this Cold War in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. It was capitalism against um, communism. It was the U.S. against Russia. And the U.S. Has been, had been thinking very, very hard how they could bring communism down, how they could bring Moscow down. So, and this has been documented. And there was a plan, and it was, it was executed under the supervision of uh, Reagan and Thatcher, that to have to use the very liquid future markets in the US. They were developed in the 1970s. And they've been experimenting by bringing down the price of oil because, as you might know, Russia's major source of income already at that time was oil and gas. So if you could suppress the price of oil and gas, um, Russia would 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 enter very, very hard times because they had to import a lot of grain and other food. And this actually, study history, this is the way they brought down um, uh, Russia. <laughs> um, and, 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 and that always fascinated me. And I, I, I learned it in, in the late 1990s and early 2000s when I was studying the financial system. And then I became aware that the same techniques, the same price discovery mechanisms were used in precious metals as well. Because precious metals, most people say, what's so special about precious metals? Why would they, why would they do all this um, hard work to um, keep the price of precious metals in check? Well, as you, as we Bitcoiners understand, gold is the core of the money system. You know, look at central banks. Not, not to um, um, to be negative on Bitcoin, but the central banks aren't, aren't buying Bitcoin, maybe yet, but they are buying lots of physical gold. They've been buying more physical gold in the last 12 months than, than almost ever in recent history. So it shows you gold is still an essential element of the monetary system. And that's why it's essential for them to keep uh, the price of gold in check, because a Rising gold price is a warning sign of inflation. And even Paul Volcker, you know, he was the, the, the guy who rescued the financial system in the late 1970s, early 80s, when he was the Fed president. He said, we only made one mistake in the 1970s. Um, we, we should have controlled the price of gold more in a more severe way. Because as you might remember, um, the dollar was fixed to gold at a fixed rate of $35 an ounce up to still 71. And then um, after Nixon closed the gold window and, and the dollar became a fiat currency, um, gold shut up from $35 to over $800 in, in, in less than 10 years. And, and that's why they're sitting on gold and silver. But it, I always say it's like a ball, you know, um, 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 which is pushed uh, underwater for, 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 for too, too long time. It, it will jump one, one day.
What, why, sorry, what is the actual mechanism through the futures market for controlling the price? How do they actually do that? Well, you, you, you could do it yourself if you open up an um, account with Interactive Brokers or another uh, broker where you can trade futures professionally. And if you put down enough uh, margin, if you put enough money there, let's say uh, 10 million, you can sell an awful lot of uh, silver because you can leverage the 10 million. And actually, a recent study showed that the paper trading in silver, so through futures, where no physical delivery is ever made. So the paper trading in silver is 808 times larger than the physical trading in silver on a yearly basis. 880 times. So you, you can send it in, in, in the price in, in, in any direction. But I'm a student of monetary history, and there's not one example that manipulation of, of a commodity succeeded on the longer term. It always ends. We had a suppression of the gold price through the London gold pool, which was a collusion of Western central bankers to keep uh, gold fixed at the $35 an ounce. And, and that failed after 10 years. It always fails in the end. And, and once it fails, you know, you will see a huge jump. And that's why you have to be positioned in gold and silver as well. So I always advise people 25% of your net worth in physical gold and silver, 25% in cash and Bitcoin slash Bitcoin, 25% in real estate, 25% in equities. I've been saying this for a long time. Added, added Bitcoin in the last few years. And, and, and this, this portfolio is like an insurance because we, we don't know what will happen in the future. We can have a deflationary collapse. We can have a hyperinflation. We can have uh, banks closing. We can have um, stock exchanges uh, closing, stop, stop trading. And, and if, you, if you divide your net worth, this is, this is an advice for people who have over, let's say, uh, $100,000 or euro, up to $10 million. And if you divide your net worth this way, you will always survive. So you think my uh, 100% Bitcoin strategy is risky? Well, you're young. I don't know what your net worth is. I can understand where Bitcoin has come from. Um, but it's risky from a perspective that thump, that things can go wrong in life. Your house can burn down. It won't burn down tonight, but it can burn down. That's why you have a fire insurance. And things can happen with Bitcoin. Even the the the, the, lo- the strongest supporters of Bitcoin say, yeah, you know, I go all in because I think it will go to 1 million or 10x, but it might go down to zero. We still don't know. Yeah, there's a know. very small chance. So that's why you should diversify always. It's it's a bit of a bit of a fun gamble. Plan B. Were you a gold bug prior to Bitcoin? I was actually, and that's also how I met Willem uh, through his books first. Uh, but yeah, I was, and I think the um, gold investors and the Bitcoin investors share this belief in sound money, and uh, they 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 really hate fiat money because. Because of all the things that uh, that fiat money bring, the control over uh, money and the 
uh, debasement uh, actually of all the money. So yeah, I was a gold bug, but um, to be honest, I sold all the gold. Uh, the, and I had physical, by the way, not not the paper gold, of course. Of course, after reading Willem's books uh, as well, it's it's very obvious you need the the physical thing. Uh, but I sold it all in uh, 2015 and and uh, and bought Bitcoin with it. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because we'd have gold bugs who haven't been able to cross over to Bitcoin, and I think it comes down to there's a few factors. One of one is that Bitcoin isn't like this tangible thing that they're they're able to hold, and a few other things they might not understand. I know some don't like the fact that it's inelastic. Um, we have uh, Bitcoiners who refuse to uh, buy gold because uh, they think. Uh, Bitcoin is going to demonetize gold. And then we have people like Willem who's like having a balanced uh, hedge bed across across them all. I, I find it really super interesting, actually. But what I find really interesting, Willem, is that you did make that journey across from Bitcoin to gold. We have uh, Peter Schiff up here. Where is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he, My hero, Peter Schiff, who uh, refuses yeah. to accept uh, Bitcoin in any way, shape, or form. Um and he, he won't make he won't cross that divide, but you did. So you heard about Bitcoin early on. It obviously was on your radar for a while. What was the change for you? When did you finally like? What was the trigger for you to go? Hold on, I I get this now. I, I need to start well, investing in it. <laughs> that's an interesting story because <laughs> um, during the first run or one of the first runs, I was contacted by Dutch media. What do you think of Bitcoin? And um, I tend to analyze markets from a uh, technical point of view, Elliott Wave point of view, and it was clear bubble. So I warned, it's actually still online, I warned in, what was 2012 or 13, that this was a bubble. <laughs> and when, uh, I think that was the, the, the run towards 1000. And then we got a correction. And from my knowledge of <laughs> monetary history and my financial cycles i thought this this one is going down 80 90 percent and then it reached 100 dollars. i still remember i thought i should buy it now but i wasn't that cash rich at that moment and um i still thought it would go back maybe to 500 or 1000 and i forgot about it and then it shut back up <laughs> 2000 and then it ran towards 20,000. And I had the same feeling, the same discussions. I warned people, be careful, it was in 2017. You know, this is this, the, the, this is the late stage of a of the, the hype, hype phase. And it will go down another 70 or 80%. And that happened. And I warned on the internet, I warned friends, I warned on Dutch TV that I called for the top in December 2017. And then it went down another 80%. And then I thought, well, I'd be stupid enough not to uh, not to take advantage of the, of the of the eighty percent down corrections. I shouldn't make that mistake again. So I really started to study Bitcoin much more seriously, uh, and then I started to buy around five six thousand, and I expected the, uh, Bitcoin to bottom around uh, between three thousand and six thousand. And I decided to put quite a bit of my net worth in, in, around that level. And, but there's, there's a nice story to, to tell um, because we have in our fund, we have over 1,000 high net worth investors. And I made a decision as a fund manager and 
being the principal of the fund, that we should add Bitcoin for at least 10% through an ETF because we can't, can't hold um, the Bitcoin itself. Uh, and then when I proposed this idea and we even did a survey, it turned out that there are many Peter Schiffs. You know, some of these people, they went mad and they were so aggressive and I couldn't do this. So we, 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 took, <laughs> we took the plan <laughs> off the table because there's, 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 especially among gold bucks who are, who, who, who are in this space because they, they, they want to, to see it and be able to touch it. Bitcoin is the stupidest, stupid, the stupid the most stupid thing you can do with your money. So um, I, I, I understand. And, and do you still, you know, I mean, you must have friends who are gold bugs. Do you still talk about it with them? Are, are people gradually coming over or is it, or is it still, yeah. are there some people are like who are just, they're done. Then Bitcoin is an, is a, is an always no for them. No, if we take 100 of our clients, 10, 15% is very negative on Bitcoin. There's, I think, 20, 30, maybe 40%. Actually, we did a survey and it showed 30 to 40% things. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, 10% is very positive, but they don't know how to do it because our clients are 50 plus. You know, it's my generation. They don't know how to do it. They still don't know, don't know how to do it. And they, they, will, they will ask me um, to set up a Bitcoin fund. And we looked into this and even with plan B. But, you know, I, I, I don't want... I'm almost 60 and I don't want to have several funds and I want to specialize on the discovery investing what I do. That's what I love. And let's, let's let other fund manager have the Bitcoin fund. But there's a very large part of our investor group who's very interested. And after the Corona crisis started and all the money printing we've seen in the last 12 months, this group is growing rapidly. And what is your personal Bitcoin thesis? Because there, there are a number of different kind of factions or groups of people that sometimes overlap. Some people just think of Bitcoin as an investment and they don't really care too much about the fundamentals. They understand other people are interested and they invest in it. There are some people who see it as a tool for freedom, that support activists. There's some people consider it the best form of money that's ever existed. Uh, there's some people consider it a hedge against inflation. There are a range. And like I say, they do overlap. Uh, myself, I'm more in the camp of I think it's the best money and ultimately people converge on the best form of money, which is why I'm invested in it. Um, what about yourself? What is your primary thesis on Bitcoin? Yeah, I'm making notes because I get so many thoughts. This <laughs> is a great question. This is a great question because this, this touches on everything. Yes, Bitcoin is the best money ever created, period. You know, even gold bucks should agree. But they can only agree when they studied it enough. And it's actually quite hard to understand. It's quite hard to go down the rabbit hole and, and to understand. And actually, um, the younger generations, um, they are much more aligned with this whole concept. And for people of my age, it's very difficult to understand. And this, this hasn't to do with, with the IQ, but it, 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 you know, it's where you come from. Well, the, the concept of, of something be, being digital for, for the younger generations, be, that something is digital is, 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 
a positive, it's not a negative. But for the older generation, when, when something is digital, is a negative, you know, you, because you don't understand it. Um, but to come back about the money part, because it's the most important part. It is the best money. But because it is the best money and it's so superior to fiat money, it's so fucking dangerous to central bankers and the elite and everybody in the system because this house of cards is on the verge of collapse. And then you have Bitcoin, which could eat it all. And actually, I've been in a call. We, we are connected to OMVIF. We're part of OMVIF. And OMVIF is a private think tank based in London. And actually, is the only place where central bankers meet up with the private sector. And because we have a fund, we are one of the private um, sector actors who are allowed to join the discussions. If, if, if you pay a fee, it's like a membership, you're allowed to be in the discussions. And because of COVID, all these discussions, all these seminars are online now. So ma many more of the private sector actors are invited to join. And then you're in a meeting with Fed guys. And they know there are some non-central bankers in, 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 in the call. But after a while, you know, they forget because there's this strong group mentality and group think. So I, I'm, I'm very selective what I publish from these meetings. But I was in a meeting with a very high uh, official of the U.S. Treasury, and he was he was saying it like it is: that you have the fiat money system, you have Bitcoin, only one can win. Okay, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors, and this week we're kicking off with Exodus Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, UX is super important to me. So when Exodus reached out, they said, "Pete, we want to sponsor the show." I was like, "What? Okay." That's fine, but I got to play with this, so I did a little, a little play with the app, both on the desktop and the mobile. And you know what? They crushed it. That's why I'm happy to recommend it to you, my friends, and my family. Now, the Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. Make sure you check it out yourself at Exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. And next up, we have Casa, the safest way for you to store your badass Bitcoin. Now, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, and phishing attacks. There are way too many ways for you to lose your Bitcoin or have it stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. Because with a Casa multi-sig wallet, you get to take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets ones which you get to distribute into different locations, and that is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more about this, I have been a Casa customer for over a year. You can drop me an email or a DM on Twitter. I will tell you about my experience. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. If you want to find out more, head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S, C-A-S-A. -A. Next up, we have my friends at sportsbet.io, the very, very best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin. And with the Olympics over, 
All eyes are back on football. The Premier League kicks off this Friday, I think it is. I think Arsenal are playing Brentford. I think that's the opening game. And then we have a full fixture list over the weekend. I cannot wait. It's going to be great to have football back. It's great to have fans back in the stadium. It was kind of weird last year. But listen, I'm going to be making some bets. I obviously think Liverpool are going to win. I obviously are going to be betting against Tottenham because they're ridiculous. So, very exciting. But if you want to check this out, Sportsbet.io always have a range of things available for you. They don't just have football. They have tennis and motorsports and esports and all kinds of crazy things. And they always have a range of promotions available for new customers. So if you want to check them out, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Well, we'll get on to the infrastructure bill. We'll talk about that soon because that is certainly a, a, an attack vector. And I also, you know, you talk about this house of cars ready to collapse. It feels like uh, we are approaching a very extreme version of what happened in 2008. Uh, I definitely want to pick your brain on that, but I am just going to defer over to our mutual friend, Mr. Plan B, to ask him a few questions because you've been uh, – Pushing some interesting tweets recently. I saw your tweet regarding the overnight repo. But before we before we do that, let's talk about Stock to Flow, man. This has become your thing. Uh, we spoke about it the first time we did an interview. Oh, I can't even remember. I mean, it feels like it might have been a couple of years ago. And you know, you were very clear at the start of this. You said this is a model, and it only works until it doesn't work. And I think we're going through a real test of the model right now. Uh, we know Mr. Corey Clipson isn't a fan of it. We know a lot of people are fans of it. But the uh, the model got a good test this last couple of months. Um, how are you feeling about it? Very good. And, uh, yeah, it's actually the third test of the model uh, to the downside. Because uh, a lot of people forget that when I introduced this model in, in 2019, the beginning of 2019, um, Prices were very low. That was at the bottom of the bear market and uh, totally out of the bands of the stock-to-flow model. So it had to go up to uh, uh, to, to validate the model and maybe maybe more so than uh, than right now. And it, it was it was um, interesting at the time, uh, but since that we had COVID, of course, last year the big spike down, and now we're in the third. Um, well, difficult period at the lower end of the model bands, but it it you know the the recent jump back up uh, gave gave some confidence, and I'm I never had any doubt uh, at least until no I, I I still think it will be hundred thousand dollars end of year uh, minimum, um, and and there's lots of time. I mean we're at forty now, so that's a two point five x. We've done more in uh, one or two months uh, uh, historically, so so it, it can be done. I'm very confident, and but yeah, it's 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 funny to see that we overshoot at the and the, at the upper side of the bands of this model as well, right? And people, it doesn't matter. People always complain, and especially people that are not used to uh, working with models, I guess, because uh, when the model. It breaks the upper upper side, or is it the upper upper band of the model, the the price? Then they say the model is broken at the upside and will be in a super cycle, uh, etc. And when it's at the downside, it's invalidated, and we go to uh, twenty thousand. I still see people on the internet uh, calling for twenty thousand Bitcoin. I don't think that's going to happen. 
100K by Christmas. That was a buy-in signal for me. Uh, the people calling for 20K reminded me of when people were calling for 1K or 1.5K uh, a couple of years back. Uh, that was a buy-in signal. I actually went into the market and bought, uh, at, I bought at 32K uh, when people were calling for that. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, You know, Peter, what, what people sometimes forget is that the model is just a model. Uh, yeah. I need to have that. I'm quantitative from background. I need to have some compass. Uh, it's very rough, but it is it is something. But you, people should not forget that I'm a former institutional investor. So I, I, I traded on dealing rooms. I managed bank balance sheets, insurance balance sheets, pension ban- balance sheets. I have lived through three crises. Uh, and, and the last one, of course, was the COVID crisis, but before that, the, the global financial crisis. I've seen this system. This system is 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 very broken. The the level of depth, the 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 interference of of uh, central banks. It, it's beyond anything we ha- we have ever seen before. With with the entire German yield curve below zero, negative interest rates. I I, I never seen that before. I, I wasn't taught negative interest rates in the university, so. My strong belief in Bitcoin and also in the model is 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 also coming from that, from that 25 years of experience as an institutional investor and knowing it will pop. And that that is is yeah. I, I sometimes think the 100k is is even conservative. And, uh, well, I've got a I've got a bet with uh, American Hoddle under over three hundred thousand. I took under, and I think I might win it. Um, what what would invalidate the model? Say if it topped out at ninety and bounced around ninety, would would that invalidate? Is there like is there a certain level where you think the model invalidates? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's it's just a linear regression, right? So it's it's very obvious when that regression is no longer valid, uh, and. Um, Everybody can can calculate that themselves, but it's it's people want a level, some sort of target level uh, when the model is valid, and that's that's how we came to the hundred thousand. But yeah, basically, it says we should go up um, with with the stock to flow ratio that has come up come up uh, since the halving. So we're sort of waiting for that. Um, but when it stays down, so when we stay at 30 20 40 thousand dollars for well a couple of uh, years for example a couple of months mm-hmm. then it's it's obvious that this linear regression line is no longer fitting the data yeah. they'll and, come after and, you man yeah and there's also so no well <laughs> i don't care i'll be the first to admit it because uh, <laughs> i have money on the line so uh no yeah it, it yeah, it, it's very easy to uh, to see when it's validated, and people can do that themselves. And of course, there's outliers, right? The COVID uh, thing last year was an outlier. The uh, 2019 bear market was an outlier, and we, we we bounced back. And I think this is an outlier as well, and that's perfectly okay within a uh, regression model, as uh, well, what the stock to flow model is. Yeah, well. I still think it looks good. I still, I still think we will break a hundred. Um, I don't think we will hit the crazy three hundreds that people have been talking about. But I think Pantera predicted between uh, somewhere around one hundred fifteen, one hundred twenty, which I think is a is a fair prediction as well. And yeah, we have been through a lot this last 
yeah, not just few months, but yeah, I mean, the model was looking great. We've had what feels like coordinated FUD. We've now got this infrastructure bill. You know, this, it's a wild time for Bitcoin. We've got El Salvador making it legal tender. Other countries interested. It's it's a wild time, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the financial markets. So you put out a tweet that uh, the other day it was quite popular, where you talked about the overnight repo market hit one trillion dollars. Can you explain what that actually means so people understand why that's quite a scary situation? Yeah, yeah. It's um, the repo market, reverse repo, uh, actually, but I. Talk yes, about sir. repo. Um, it, it, it's a facility of the uh, central bank in America, and uh, and it, it basically is a facility that banks and other financial institutions can park their cash. And uh, as we all know, there is excess cash at the moment in the market. Their market is full of cash. In fact, um, everybody will recognize the problem, the big problem that we have right now in financial markets. It's a problem for institutional investors and also for retail investors. What should you do with your money? Um, I mean, if you already have like two or three or ten houses, uh, a good equity uh, investment, some 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 stocks, maybe the 25-25 uh, portfolio that Willem has been uh, talking about, then what do you do? Uh, you 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 buy maybe some gold. Um, you buy some Bitcoin. What what else? What else? Where, where do you go? Uh, and especially if you live in Europe with a zero uh, or or even negative uh, interest rates, uh, uh, putting it on a bank is not not very wise. I mean, uh, in in the Netherlands, you get negative interest rates as a retail investor on accounts. I think it's twenty five thousand. Uh, everything above that is negative interest rates. So. Um, that that problem is also present with uh, financial institutions. They have uh, a cash balance at the end of the day, so they they uh, they have investments that mature that 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 will bring money uh, on the account. They'll do investments. Uh, well, that that releases them of some of the cash. They have uh, deposits of clients and clients uh, taking the money um, off the accounts. But at the end of the day. They could have like a couple of billion in excess cash that they have to park somewhere. And normally, in a normally functioning market, they would park that at another bank. Um, and they get some interest on that. Um, um, but if they don't trust each other, the banks, and if there's no other investment that, that makes any yield at all, and they're basically in the situation I described, they can now... Um, Park their excess cash with the Federal Reserve. They get uh, treasuries as a collateral for that for that, that overnight loan, and so it's very safe. It has minimal capital re- uh, requirements, and it's 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 obviously very beneficial. But the the strange thing, of course, is that it, that there's at the moment one trillion U.S. dollars parked at this facility, and that's more than we've ever seen before and it it it's a sign it's it's like the credit default swaps in the 2008 it's it's a sign a can yeah like canary in a coal mine that something is really wrong um and um yeah I, I think something is really wrong um it 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 is strange that the central bank the fed um is actively doing a quantitative easing, so it's buying 
treasuries, bonds, equities, everything with uh, created, freshly created money. So it's providing that cash to the market actively. And then the market is, is, is filled with excess cash. And then it, takes, it, it, it has a facility to take that excess cash off the market again. Why not, why not stop QE then? <laughs> you, you know, that would be the same. Uh, you, you could just sell the treasuries again. You could, could do tapering. But we all know what happens then. And, and, you know, it has a huge impact on interest rates, all this. They don't want the U.S. curve to go down. They don't want to go... They, want, they don't want the U.S. interest rate curve to go negative like it is in Germany. But they also don't don't want the interest rate to go positive because if interest rates go back to normal levels, three percent, four percent, this whole system explodes because nobody can pay that that load. So it's very interesting, and I, yeah, I advise people to to watch it like a hawk. What happens there? And uh, I see it together with the balance sheets of the central banks as. The same as a warning signal as the as the credit default swap spreads in 2008. Yeah, I'm going to uh, defer over to you, Willem, because you obviously wrote your book in 2007, and uh, like uh, Michael Burry, you recognized what was coming in, you said perhaps the next decade, it came the next year. Uh, you are obviously very tapped into financial markets and understand how cycles work. And you said earlier, you think another financial crash is coming. To me, as a, a very inexperienced investor and somebody who doesn't understand the financial markets like you, this feels way scarier than what happened in 2008. Um, this feels like some form of major global economic collapses potentially coming. Am I, am I being hyperbolic or are these similar feelings no. you have? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I'm... I'm a little bit more positive than uh, you and maybe Plan B uh, because the title of uh, my last book on, on, on these topics was The Big Reset. And that was, I wrote this book in 2012, 2013, uh, explaining that we're in the final phase of the current dollar centered financial system. And it's called The Big Reset because you can reset. A monetary system. We've seen re resets in the past. Um, we've seen as a reset in 1944. And the reset in 1944 wasn't a collapse of all financial markets. It was the start of all financial markets because we had a collapse in the 1930s and, and the Second World War. So when the major financial trading partners in the world agree and join forces being China, the US, Europe, Russia, Middle East, you can agree to change the system. And there are three parts, three main parts of this reset thesis. And one is that we need a debt restructuring because the main problem now, which we really haven't discussed, is the the financing of, of the of the American budget, you know, we can't go on much longer because the primary dealers on Wall Street can't take 
the incredible amount of new treasuries being brought to the market. And that's why we see all these repo crises. I have a little bit different opinion on this than, than Plan B. Because the first repo crisis started in September 2019. And that was because the primary dealers on Wall Street couldn't take all the new um, auction treasuries, U.S. treasuries, onto their books. So the Fed needed to help them. And that's why we saw an increase of the Fed balance sheet late 2019. And since the corona crisis started, this all, well, um, became a little bit more urgent. But to come back to the big reset, one of the main parts of the reset is we need a debt restructuring worldwide. And a debt restructuring is a balance sheet restructuring. Somebody has to take the losses. For example, the pension funds. Well, if you restructure the debts and you also restructure the pension funds worldwide, you know, you can, you can make a new system and start again. But China has to agree. And that's why China has been invited into the IMF. China has a, one of the leading directors in the IMF is a Chinese guy. Now the Chinese renminbi has been added to the SDR. SDR is the IMF money. It's a currency basket by the IMF. There are five currencies in the SDR, the dollar, 40%, the euro, the yen, the pound, and the renminbi has been added in 2050. Why? Because China is part of the club now. Because the financial system, you should see it as a club. And this club is totally concentrated on fiat money. And that's why the club will never use Bitcoin. There's only one reason why Bitcoin could win, because the whole club collapses <laughs> and loses control. But since the club can make laws and has the guns, this won't happen. And China is of the same opinion as the US. And the use of the same opinion as, as even the, the Arabs in the Middle East. They don't want the fiat system to come down. And you don't want the fiat system to come down because then you have Mad Max worldwide. And Bitcoiners make the mistake by being too naive to think that Bitcoin can compete with fiat and win. Well, good luck with that, but I don't want to live in that world. But then the Bitcoiners say, we will go to El Salvador because there is, is legal tender. You know, but that's not the way the world works. So the only thing you can do, and that's the only success Bitcoin can have, is Bitcoin can be very successful as an alternative currency, as alternative money, the way gold and silver are, can be successful as an alternative. But gold is still part of this club. You know, this club, the international monetary system, is built around gold. So the central bankers are much more willing to go back to a gold standards, and that's why I write in the big reset that one day we might get a gold revaluation, and they might bring gold back as a sixth currency in the SDR, and, and, and restore trust in the monetary system. Because central bankers, they all know this. The Bitcoiners always think they understand the financial system. Well, I can tell you, central bankers understand a little bit more because they created it. 
It's an important point. Let me, mm-hmm. let me add a little bit, because I think that's also why, for example, uh, people like Peter Schiff are so holding on to gold and not into Bitcoin, more than Willem, by the way, because Willem is in between Peter Schiff and, and, and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that the entire system, the Fed, the, the U.S. military, is has the same interest as gold is worth something. And 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 they're against Bitcoin, so that that makes Bitcoin very risky. And and I see that point. I mean, it's it's a fair point to make. Uh, but but I'm more pessimistic, yes, than than Willem, because I think, and I'm not talking as a Bitcoiner, but as a former institutional investor that dealt with the uh, central bank uh, on a daily basis, I think they already lost control. I think they they of course they want the U.S dollar or whatever successor currency there is and gold to survive and the whole system but it will not survive because they already already lost control you for example one one thing is they cannot raise interest anymore so there is no yield to be made there is no yield nothing to be earned it's a big problem a big problem for retail investors and for institutional investors, read pension funds. So this yield is not gone. It's just suppressed. This yield is not gone. For example, it it goes to places where it's like water. It goes to places where it can live. And one of those places happens to be Bitcoin, but there's more. And 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 I'm talking basically about volatility. Because this central banks, but also the governments, and you see it with I, I, actually, I don't want to mention the word, but you see it with COVID as well. Um, people are not allowed to die anymore. It's zero COVID. And it's the same with banks. Banks are not allowed to default anymore, or companies. So they save it. But it cannot be done. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it, when you I, was can... doing, um, I was doing my research into, um, oh, what's his name? Um, the guy's working under Trump. His... Um... Mnuchin, Mnuchin. When I was doing my research into Mnuchin and how the um, the FDIC stepped in to say they would insure all, uh, uh, provide insurance against all defaults, and I was thinking if you, if it's one of those situations where if, like you have to let and you have to have, have uh, winners and losers, and you have to let uh, failure happen so the system can correct. If you don't allow failure to happen, you just create uh, you create a real bubble. People talk about a Bitcoin bubble. You create a real bubble. We have to allow for failure in the system. And I don't understand why we've got to this point where we don't allow failure. It's a bit like kids' football when they they don't allow them to win. You know, it's a certain age. They don't allow them to win or lose games or win or lose trophies. They just play and every game's a friendly and there's no... It's like, why are we not teaching people about winning and losing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. bonkers. And, and it's not true, right? It's 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 you can save the banks, you can save Boeing and and the uh, the cruise uh, ship uh, companies and all that, but somebody has to pay. Yeah, the there is winners and losers always. So they socialize the losses, and 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 it will introduce inflation, ascent inflation first. That's great for the temper, the top ten percent. That's that's. Mm-hmm. Too bad for the bottom ninety uh, percent or the the people without assets. So there, there are still winners and losers in this game. And and for example, for investors, if you if you look at a very well through a technical um, glasses to the to the market, 
in the end, it all boils down to volatility. The more volatile an investment, the more yield you can make. You know, it's the old capital asset pricing model. Nobel prizes were win one with that. There is a huge amount of volatility in Bitcoin at the moment, and you, volatility is an asset class, right? You can invest in volatility, <laughs> and and that's, for example, what I find very, yeah interesting or disappointing or as an investor not that attractive about gold there's no volatility so where should the where should the return come from or maybe it spikes up it can be can be low risk for for years and then it spikes up maybe maybe it's that and it's with bitcoin as well a little bit but the volatility part and this the suppression of volatility defaults and deaths by governments that that is not a zero sum game and it, it will and badly. Willem, you mentioned there were three parts to the getting out of this uh, or avoiding this financial crisis. You mentioned firstly the restructuring of debt. What were the other two points? Yeah, uh, you're a good listener. And you prepared very well. <laughs> um, the first one is the debt restriction. But actually the first one, <laughs> normally I say, is to find the successor for the dollar, to find a new anchor for the world's financial system. Well, and America if you, like that. Yeah, if you truly believe in a collapse of the whole system, um, like we just discussed, you know, we always say an optimist buys gold and Bitcoin, but a pessimist buys guns and canned food. You know, if you think about the collapse, if you truly think about the collapse of this system, sell your Bitcoin, buy guns and canned food as much as you can, and a cottage in the Rocky Mountains or whatever, wherever. If you buy gold and if you buy Bitcoin, you buy those assets because you think they will go up in price. But for assets to go up in price, you need markets to function. If you have a collapse, you don't have functioning markets. So Bitcoin you should understand that very well. But to come back to the thesis, we need to find a successor for the dollar. All insiders agree on this. Actually, I, I just wrote a piece for Umvif this week. It will be published next week, in which I give all quotes and statements by central bankers, Mark Carney saying in Jackson Hole in 2019, we need to find a successor for the dollar. Jean-Claude Trichet, the former president of the ECB, stating last month, that um, the system needs to change and we should um, turn away from the focus on the dollar to a multi-reserve currency system. What does he mean with a multi-reserve currency system? It could be the SDR, you know, that's a currency run by the IMF. There are five currencies in there. You could add uh, gold and you could add Bitcoin. Well, they won't add Bitcoin, but they will add gold, as I said. So that's the reset. That's the big reset. And this is openly being discussed among the elite in the system. And that's what my story is all about in the book and in the piece which will be printed and published next week. And that shows you that central bankers and the elite, they understand that we're on the verge of collapse. And they understand they need a reset. And that's why the World Economic Forum explains Klaus Schwab, the president, explains 
we have a small and closing window of opportunity to use the current corona crisis to change the system. And that's why they love the COVID crisis. I don't know how it started. I don't know. But the only thing I know that the masters running the club will use every crisis to change the system in the way they like. Who, who's the loser? Who's going to be the like you talked about the restructuring of the debt, which may primarily mean leans, uh, leans on the pension fund. So obviously, anybody who has a pension might see a pension haircut or might right. not have the ability to retire. That's a reality. Uh, for those people, uh, is are they the losers? The, uh, is it the the older generation and their pensions? We so everyone are. loser, except the people who are in the right assets. Because what's the problem? The problem is not the debt restructuring. The problem is, you know, the biggest problem is always the one we don't see. You know, it's the it's the elephant in the room. Mm. The currency debasement is the problem. And who is a victim of currency debasement? Everybody. Yeah. Except the guys who own real estate, gold, Bitcoin, and commodities. Oh, so, okay. Uh, well, there will be people listening going, okay, well, I understand. I agree this is coming. I think, look, everyone I speak to, whether it's Lynn Alden or Caitlin Long, Travis Kling, Pam B, like, Everybody I know who studies the markets and uh, the structure of the economy, everyone is predicting that a crash is coming. It's this kind of general acceptance. It, it's the shape of no, it, no, which people don't. It, it's not a crash. It, it, it's, it's a reset. And what might happen with a, within a reset, they close down the stock exchange. You don't have a crash, you know? Jim Ricketts, read his books. He's talking about Ice Nine. You just you just freeze it. If you freeze, if you close down the stock exchange, it happened in Kuwait years back. It happened at the start of the First World War on Wall Street. It happened in 9-11, after 9-11. The things they are doing now and planning now after COVID are so strange I can imagine them telling us because of COVID, we need to close down the stock exchange because um, uh, these are not normal times. We need, first need to come back to normal times in which COVID has disappeared. And for the time being, we stopped trading. And then, you know, you lock in all profits and nobody will take a loss. And then they will tell you we need a financial reset, the big reset being part of the great reset. And once we reset the system, everybody's bank accounts, we need time for that because it all had to be converted to the bank or to the SDR. And then we start trading again. And then after 12 months, they'll say, oh, we're still not ready for it. You know, so many things can happen without having a big crash. Okay, that's fair. People will be surprised by the creativity of, of the members of the club. Yeah, but I, I imagine it to be a bit like the introduction of the euro, because uh, yeah. you know most Europeans went through this phase of losing their uh, currency and getting a new currency. It's a bit like the uh, dying of the euro and the dollar and the yen and and, and replacing it by an SDR or bank or whatever. So there, and also with the introduction of the euro at the time in 1999, 2000, there were winners and losers, right? 
I know the mm-hmm, Dutch yeah. perspective, of course, best, but we lost 20% overnight of all our savings and pensions. Okay. And, and somebody got that 20%, which is okay. I mean, it's, uh, but, but, but that, that's what happens overnight. So how would you prepare, William? Because like people listening, be like, yeah, some people are like, okay, I understand something's coming. It, it might be a reset. It might be a crash. We don't know. It might be a crash before no. a reset. Who, who knows? Yeah. But something's coming. Something has to change. Uh, the global economy is fragile. Uh, there are clearly some uh, very strong signals in the market with regards to the uh, reverse repo market, negative interest rates, uh, debt to GDP levels. There's enough signals in the market to say something has to change. How how do you think people should be preparing for this? Right, well, outside of buying that, uh, gun, guns and tins of food and locking <laughs> themselves away? Well, then I always go back to scenarios. You know, you have to think in scenarios. And I, I said it uh, before in the, in this chat. What are the what are the biggest risks? You know, inflation number one. Inflation, uh, currency debasement. Inflation number one could lead into hyperinflation. So hyperinflation is is horrible. Look at Venezuela. Look at Weimar Germany. I I, I studied them all. You know, it's horrible. Don't don't be glad with hyperinflation within the fiat system as a Bitcoin because it's horrible. You know, it's mad max. Um, second risk: deflationary collapse. You know, the big crash, the big collapse, like happened in two thousand eight, can happen again. The central bankers know it, and they are prepared. And I always tell them, why did it collapse in two thousand eight? Because the fire engines were still in the station. And now the fire engines are all out on the streets. And the money and the water tanks, it's, they're all filled now. So as soon as something is about to collapse, they will have a new repo facility or whatever. So that's why I don't believe in a collapse because you can stop every collapse by throwing more money at it, like throw more water on the fire. And that's why you know currency debasement is a is is a much higher risk, and hyperinflation is a much higher risk than deflationary collapse. And once you know that debasement of currency and hyperinflation is the largest risk, you know what to do. Buy all assets the government can't print, and even the chief investment officer of BlackRock he wrote an article. They they, they took it offline. I still have a copy. He advised investors to buy all government can't print. So if you want to know why all government can't print is going up now, stock exchange, real estate, Bitcoin, commodities, it's because the value of money is going down. should always turn it 180. You know, when everything goes up, the value of money is going down. That's, that's the main force. I agree with with everything that that Willem says, and and I hope Willem Willem is right. I really do. Uh, of course, the other scenario uh, is is indeed the Mad Max scenario, and um, maybe it has lower probability, but it it's not zero the probability. 
and, and, and it could be it could be pockets of Mad Max, right? It, you know, it's not every country is going to be the same. I mean, we know different countries uh, suffer at different points. We know, for example, the state of Venezuela because that was brought up. We know that Lebanon is struggling, and we know when there is economic collapse, there's a rising crime and disorder, and you know, uh, protests and such. Every country could be different. Yeah, and something better will will eventually come come from that. But I always look at the Roman system, the end of the Roman Empire. It started with debasement as well, right? The denarii, the silver content. And it led to the end of the empire. Because even the Roman soldiers didn't accept the denarii uh, anymore as, as pay. They wanted gold. <laughs> they, they said, ah, we, we will fight, but we want the gold. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, but the difference, the difference now, you know, with, with another 1,600 years uh, down the road... <laughs> Uh, from uh, the collapse of the Roman Empire, um, is that we are the, this system we have on Earth? We're, we're, we're a big village now, you know. We're all connected. So there's this new new Cold War between China and, and the US, and actually that that scares the hell out of me because. We could have a scenario, we haven't discussed this, that the U.S. knows that they still have the military power to strike uh, uh, China. And, and China is, is very serious to do the same thing in Taiwan as they've done in, in Hong Kong. And this will be the big test. And, and, and this might be a larger problem for us than the collapse of the financial system, which could be the result of, 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 of a kinetic war in, in the South China Sea. But if we pass that and, and we can convince China and US to work together to make this transformation towards a technocracy, I haven't used that word before, but communism has failed in the 1990s. Capitalism is failing now. We don't have to predict it will fail. It is failing now. And the club is working on a third system, which is technocracy. And what's technocracy? It's very limited freedom. It's state capitalism, what we have in China now. The best example of technocracy is China now. A government which is led by well, the, the scientists, the thinkers who plan it all, everything is planned, everything is controlled. And within technocracy, and I think they will, they will bring that to the West in the Great Reset. And you see it in the COVID. They always point to the scientists. Look, it's proven. And you have to um, give in your freedom because the scientists say it's dangerous to go out. And this is a very Google technocracy. Read a few books on it. And that's the big risk. And within technocracy, we don't have free markets. But we'll have all these institutions. And we see it already. All these major corporates, in the corporates uh, and all the major corporates are joining force with the World Economic Forum. And they all want to be inclusive. And they all buy up still the, the, the bonds because the, the, the government needs to be supported. So this will m morph into a system in which all powers and all big money 
they all back the same system. And it will be very, very difficult and very hard for us alternative investors to keep our freedom. And that's why Bitcoin is being fought. Basically communism, right? Yeah, it is communism. But they call it technocracy. <laughs> well, this is why I think people are very nervous about the infrastructure bill. Because sure. it looks like a backdoor way of restricting and then ultimately banning Bitcoin. I mean, it, that's the US banning it, but it would have a catastrophic effect on price. I think uh, I think your model might fail at that point, Mr. Plan B. But uh, that's why I think people are nervous about the infrastructure bill. Now, the infrastructure bill is quite interesting because, uh, as I understand it, uh, even if it gets through the Senate and then the House, it still doesn't come into law till 2023. It becomes a real opportunity for other countries and jurisdictions to do the complete opposite, like El Salvador has, and be pro-Bitcoin. And if enough jurisdictions do that, there's a chance that there will be Bitcoiners who will be thinking, well, I might need to reconsider where I want to be. Uh, I don't know how that plays out. It could be completely wrong. What's well, your read on the... If, sorry, if, sorry, but if China would have allowed Bitcoin to become a serious currency, you know, then you could have a very good scenario. But if I see all major forces in this world, you know, all the major economic blocks are making life difficult for 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 Bitcoin and crypto. They they they're starting to roll out their own central bank digital currencies, and that's the most um, stupid cryptocurrency you can design. But that's their plan, not Bitcoin. Mm. What are you, Pamby? What's your read on the uh, infrastructure bill? Yeah, maybe it's uh, it's opium, but um, I, I hope the senators, uh, Luminous and, and 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 others, will put amendments in there and reason returns. On the other hand, I've seen this is the the infrastructure bill. I've seen the COVID bill, the COVID relief bill. I've seen the bills after nine eleven. Those were huge bills that nobody can read and that were full of. Uh, yeah, other other arrangements that had nothing to do with uh, 9-11, uh, restructuring, COVID, uh, relief, etc. So the, the the entire Patriot Act and the, and, and and all the uh, suppression, for example, of El Salvador. It, 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 those things are all shoved in, into these big bills. And um, yeah, it's 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 for me as a European, it's very strange to see. Uh, that the rule of law in America is is like that that you can make laws that that have uh, articles in there that have nothing to do uh, with the topic at hand that nobody can can read in time and uh, well it adds to what Willem says that that capitalism has has lost the game and we're straight back to communism okay I I fear that but. On the other hand, I'm, I have this this hopium, maybe this dream of the sovereign individual that this same technology that empowers states and 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 big companies that that also empowers individuals, mm. uh, and that the open individual network always wins from the big state uh, networks that are that are yeah they're big but they're they're slow, they're not innovative, and they're like David and Goliath, they're they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're a they're, private they're, members club. 
Yeah, so I, th- I think um, moving to jurisdictions where capitalism still has any chance uh, is, is a thing of the future as well. Um, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here in Switzerland now. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sorry, Mr. Plan B. No, uh, I'm here in Switzerland because I hope this will be a feast of freedom within the ever-increasing powers from Brussels and the EU. The Swiss just um, went out of a very serious meeting in Brussels with the EU, and these meeting, these uh, talks collapsed because the Swiss don't accept that Brussels will try to control more and more parts of the economy here in Switzerland and of the regulations. And of course, we hope here in Switzerland that we can be a small uh, El Salvador. But you know, we're, we're surrounded by EU countries. And when the EU wants to try to, mi- to make life miserable for the Swiss, you know, uh, well, I hope, I hope the Swiss will win, but... Mm. It's a fascinating chat. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take a trip down to Tesco's now, get some tinder pineapple. <laughs> Can't get a gun, but I can get a fork. <laughs> I'm going to have a fork, some Bitcoin and some tin pineapple and build a underground base in my... Uh, nah, look, I'm not that pessimistic. Um, I, I fear, like I do worry. I do worry. Um, I do I do fear a crash or I do fear some reset that uh, kills the pensions of people who are planning to retire in retirement. I, I fear a lot. Um it's a very tricky situation, and it it does this thing where it shifts me between, it pushes me towards uh, the anarchist view of the world. When it, I also always struggle to understand how an anarchist world will function, it puts me in this problem being a centrist. You can never really like pin yourself to anything. You just float around. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. No, that sounds like a good idea. I like. Let's just make everything work. <laughs> But fascinating chat. Glad to have you both on. Plan B, it's always great to talk to you, man. Um, I always enjoy having your company. And Willem, it's really great to have you on as well. I, I appreciate you coming on. If people wanted to read your books, check out your work, I'm about to go on holiday, so I'm going to order uh, your yeah. latest book and take it with me. Well, but wh- where should they go? We make the life very easy. Um, you can go down, uh, download The Big Reset for free. Uh, just Google the big reset download. You will end up to our website, Multi Discovery Funds. Can download it. Um, you can also buy books on Amazon. There are some more books. I also wrote the Tesla Revolution, which is very old, uh, totally different topic. It's on the world of energy and EVs. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. You just Google for my name. Uh, that's that's the only um, that's the only um, social channel I really uh, um, work on. And, and well, that, that's about it. Thanks for having me. It was a great discussion. And thanks, Wendy, no. for inviting me as well. No, it's great. It's like really great to meet you. I'm uh, fascinated by your work, and I will definitely be downloading the book to read when I'm lazing around with cocktails on the beach next week before everything blows up. Uh, Plan B, everyone knows who you are. You don't have to share that. I'll put it in the show notes anyway, but everyone listening knows who you are, so you don't have to worry about that. But it's good to hear from you, brother, and uh, glad you're doing well. Glad you've had a nice little sailing break, and uh, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you in a few months to say, well, we're going to be looking at that model and going, did it work, didn't it work, what next? Thanks, Peter. Take care, buddy. See you soon. See you soon, Willem. Great. 
Hope you enjoyed this one. If you've got any questions, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com or you can hit me up on my Telegram group. Outside of that, if you want to support the show, I only ever want you to do one thing. Just head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. Hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. Anyway, love you all. Have a great weekend and I will see you all on Monday.